Hello, Crossroads. My name is Dan Chapin. I am the new high school and young adults pastor here. I am so glad to have you with us. And we are so honored that you would uh, tune in or turn up for service. If we can help you in any way, our chat hosts are available for you throughout this service. I just want you to know that the last few months that I have been on staff here have been absolutely amazing. This church, your teens, the parents here, the young adults here have just been so great and so warm and welcoming to me and my family. Speaking of family, I have a picture of my family here. Uh, my wife is Ellie, and we have our two sons, Roman, who's five and a half years old, and he's really into snakes right now. Yes, I know, crazy. And then Brayden, who is a little too much like his dad and eats everything that he sees. Please pray for us. We need a lot of help and direction. Well, this past week, we celebrated Thanksgiving. And one of the amazing things that I'm thankful for is my family and the chance to invest in my kids. I was uh, talking to my cousin some years ago, and she's uh, young and single, not too many years younger than me. And she asked me this question. She asked, what is it like having kids? And do you struggle with the pressure and I asked, well, <laughs> what pressure are you talking about? And she said, the pressure to not screw up your kids. <laughs> I told her, I'm incredibly thankful and, and incredibly excited to shape and mold my kids, especially in the way that is going to leave behind a lasting legacy. You see, leaving a legacy is something I care deeply about. I am constantly thinking about what I'm doing in my life and how I'm working with high schoolers and young adults and am I impacting them to change a trajectory of their life towards God. And there's no greater point in a person's life to impact that legacy than in those high school and those young adult years. They are some of the most absolute crucial in life. We oftentimes like to think that there are do-overs, that there's mulligans, that there's second chances, and, and, and that's true. We do have to, the opportunity to get out of those old ruts and get out of those old hang-ups, or, or maybe we want to switch careers, and we can choose to do that. We can have new beginnings, and we can have fresh starts, but one thing we can't get back is the time the time we've spent between the resets. Resets are possible, but the time it takes to change a career, win back your marriage, or drop a bad habit is time you're never gonna get back. And you may, uh, you may have the fresh start, but you will not have the time you spend uh, return to you. And this is a struggle that is created. There's this tension that we're left with. What do we do with the time we have left? What do we do with the legacy that one day we are going to leave behind? 
Uh, maybe you're online and you're uh, hanging on to your grandkids as, as family are running around the house and you're, you're wondering what legacy is going to be told, what story is going to be told about your life. Or maybe you're younger and you're, you're wondering, what is my career? What is my life? What is a, you know, a relationship uh, with another person, maybe even marriage going to look like? What type of story do I want told about my legacy? And there's one thing I want to just keep absolutely clear as we think about legacy. I want to cl- keep this clear in the forefront of our minds, and that's this. There may be second chances in life, but there are no second chances to live, for life to be lived. Let me say that one more time. There may be second chances in life, but there are no second lives to be lived. And really just, just comes down to this question. What are you living your life for? What impact are you hoping to leave behind? What legacy will you be remembered for about your life. I believe that the greatest way to live life is with the end in mind. It changes everything. It changes the way you spend your money. It changes the way you interact with your coworkers. It changes how you raise your children. It changes your relationships and it changes your relationships with your neighbors. I mean, after all, if you're gonna live next to them for 30 years, you gotta, you gotta figure out what that's gonna look like, right? You see, we can all know this logically. We can all feel the weight of this reality, but we still can miss the active pursuit of living a life for a lasting legacy. Legacy isn't something that we should start talking about when we are near the end of our lives. That's the great temptation when we bring up this topic of legacy. It's about what we say after we're dead and gone. No. We should be talking about living a legacy near the beginning of our lives and everywhere in between. We need to rethink every few years, what is my life going to look like now with the circumstances and the experiences and the learnings that I've had? I believe, though, as you do that, I believe as you go in your life, you will continue, though, to struggle with living for a lasting legacy until you face three realities. Any legacy you could live for will ultimately be temporal compared to these three realities. Let's look at the first one. The first reality is this. You could live life complaining about our future or preparing for our future. Let me say that again. You could live life complaining about our future or preparing for our future. If we're being completely honest, it's really easy to complain. It's easier to throw punches than it is to roll up your sleeves. And sometimes when we do that, we struggle when it comes to the future. And, and, and I hear a lot of complaints. I hear complaints all the time. I'm kind of a pastor. People come to me with their complaints and that's okay. I love it. But I hear complaints like, uh, can I really trust the vaccine that's coming out in 2021? Or how are my college plans going to be affected by the economy? Or maybe are my parents going to be able to keep their job much longer? Or are we going to have to move across country? What's the deal? What's happening? One of the complaints as the high school and young adults pastor that I hear the most is this one. 
what is happening to our generation? What's happening to the next generation that's coming up? I don't get it. Well, here's what you need to know about the next generation. It's this. If you want to know how our world became, you must look back at who trained the previous generation. You got to look back at who trained the previous generation if you're going to know what the future is like. Now, I'm not putting all the blame on parents. Parents, it is, I know, it is incredibly hard to raise kids in this crazy changing world. There's a lot of parents who have done a lot of good and you guys, God bless you. You need to be commended for it because it is tough. And if you're not a Christian, you really need to hear this part too. Parents aren't the only ones raising kids today. Yes, there's positive influences like youth leaders and, and, and pastors and teachers and coaches that are helping us all train up these kids. But what if I told you that every single day, every single day, our children, our teens and our young adults sit in a room with total strangers for three hours a day. And these strangers, they're indoctrinating your kids with what they believe and what they think the world should be like. If I told you that, would you not be a little bit concerned? Now, I'm not talking about like, I'm not talking about schools. I'm not talking about some creepy guy in the basement. I'm actually talking about social media and the endless amount of information that's found on the internet. Every single day through Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, students, they're, they're being overwhelmed with messages from a worldview that is, is damaging to their lives and is the complete opposite of what God's best is for them. They're being trained in a way that they are going to live. And I'm not the type of person who thinks that you should just isolate your kids from the world. That's impossible, unless, honestly, you move to Mars. And I, if I were a parent of a, uh, a teenage daughter, I would definitely want my girl growing up on Mars, away from everything. That just sounds really great. But whether we like the outcome or not, in Proverbs 22.6, God shows us this reality, and it says this. It says, start children off on the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Wow, that's really powerful. That passage, it's a really wise proverb. It gives a general understanding to us that your kids, your high schoolers, your young adults are being trained towards a direction in life, whether you're active or whether you're passive. What Whatever way your kids should be trained in, it becomes harder for them to depart from it as they grow older. Our world will train our kids or the word of God can train our kids. Let me say that one more time. Our world can train our kids or the word of God can train our kids. Now, that's why I believe that one of the greatest ways you can have a lasting legacy is if you live for building up the next generation. You see, the future has not been written yet. The story of tomorrow, uh, it still is yet to be known to us. 
And what I want you to do is not miss out on this chance to impact the future by serving the generations following you. And let me promise you this, future generations will thank you as you choose to invest in them. And in my opinion, there is no better legacy that you can live than to train up younger generations towards discovering Jesus and following him fully. One of the greatest gifts that I um, was ever given was uh, this scrapbook. This is a scrapbook that was given to me by my previous, uh, by some students from my previous church. And in this scrapbook are pictures and, of missions trips, of camps, of just goofy fun times where I visited ballets or, or uh, was on a tube or just hung out with different students at different times. And one of the most precious parts of this is the notes that students wrote to me of just how I impacted their life. And I am just incredibly thankful for the ways in which uh, God has decided uh, to use me in this particular student's life. This student I was able to, to baptize, his name's Matt. And part of the letter he wrote to me um, says this. Aside from my own family, I can't even try to think of someone who has influenced me in the ways that you have. You have played the role of a father figure, an older brother, a friend, a boss, a mentor, and many more. The way that you live your life as a ministry molds for me the type of man I hope to be someday. I know without a doubt that wherever the Lord takes you next, the people around you will be better followers of Christ because of the influence you have on them. It's just the type of guy, Dan. I love you, Dan. Thank you for playing the role you did in shaping me to be the man that I am today. Um, when I first read that note and many of the other notes in here, I, <laughs> I couldn't help but cry. I couldn't help but just be incredibly thankful that God would use me to impact future generations. It's a privilege. It's a responsibility. And it's an amazing thing to be living for, living for the next generations. One of the things that you should know about Matt is that um, he has decided to become a youth pastor. He's decided to, to give his life to full-time vocational ministry. He just recently uh, graduated from college, from Grand Canyon University, and he's now in seminary, and he wants to live his life impacting next generations. I'm incredibly grateful for God, for the life that Matt is, and, and the other students that I have served and have wrote incredible notes in here. Here's what you need to know about how to change the future. If you want to change the future. If you want to grasp the future, you have to give your life to the next generation. If you want to change what tomorrow looks like, you need to invest in the people that are going to be living tomorrow. If you want to see your legacy multiply, then you must invest in the next generation. I believe that there is no better joy and no better responsibility than to be a person who invests in the future by discipling the next generation. If you're a senior adult, let me, let me just mention something real quick. You're probably thinking to yourself, I'm near the end of my life. 
What am I supposed to do? Well, let me tell you, if you're a senior adult, lead a young marriage group, impact the next generation. If you're a young married person, mentor some singles. If you are a single, get involved in high school or junior high ministry. If you're a high schooler or if you're a junior high ministry, you might be thinking, I'm too young to make an impact on the next generation. No, you're not. Let's do it now. Jump in, dive in, go into children's ministry. Serve and love and impact the next generation. What better way is there? What better way is there to make a lasting legacy than to invest in future generations. Here's the deal, guys. Some of you may be looking back on your lives and be asking the question, hey, can I start over? Is there a second chance to make a lasting legacy with my kids or with my family? And I just want to tell you, no, there's not. There's not a chance. You don't have a chance at all. It's lost. It's gone. Time's wasted. Oh, well. No, no, absolutely not. You have a chance You have a chance. I emphatically say, yes, you can have an impact on the next generation. Here's the deal. I don't care what your age is. If you're not dead, God's not done with you impacting the next generation. And that kind of leads me to the second reality. How do we impact the next generation? Well, here's another reality. You could. Live life trusting information or transformation. You could live life trusting information or transformation. There's no shortage in our world today uh, of information. We live in an era where constant information is coming into our lives, into our worlds, and on all of our screens. And if you're not a Christian, uh, you need to know that, that you are being informed by the information around you. Everything that you're scrolling through online is informing you and causing you to live differently. And if you are here, I would hope, we would hope that you would be open to some new type of information. If you're not a Christian, I'd hope you'd be open to some new type of information. We live in an era of Google, of podcasts, of self-help, of social media. And if we want to discover how to build a nuclear weapon, we can look it up online. And we could just Google that thing. If we want to find the information on how to lose 20 pounds in 20 weeks, like I know I need to, guess what? There's an app for that. With all this information, we have run into a problem though. There isn't much transformation. You see, you can know how to do something. You can know how to do something, but the real disconnect is, will you be able to do it? Will you be able to be transformed? And if you're a Christian, it has never been easier in the history of the world to grow in your faith. There is honestly unlimited access to every preacher on the globe. We have 2,000 years of of books and history that, that tell us what it's like to be a Christian. And honestly, just a few years after Jesus uh, was gone, the disciples didn't even have the New Testament. They didn't have half of what we have now, not even a quarter, not even 1% of what we have now. I think one of the most interesting things that I found out recently is that there are 450 Bible translations in 
English alone. I, I guess like, you know, there's probably gotta be like 160 Bible trends. There's a 450. And I ran across some that I thought were really interesting. Here's one. Uh, this one's called Word on the Street version. Word on the Street version. Isn't that kind of crazy? One of, uh, from my previous church, one of the students, he loved to quote out of the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible. That was one of his favorites. But my new favorite Bible translation is BibleEmoji.com. Yes, that's right. BibleEmoji.com. Blows my mind. It's a website where you take your favorite Bible verse and it translates it into emoji version. I'm just like, that just blows my mind. And if you're online, hey, don't switch off just yet. Don't go to it. Wait until after the message that you can go to EmojiBible.com. Here's the deal. With all this information, Christians should look the most like Jesus in our world. There should never have been a time greater than now where Christians look like Jesus. But it doesn't take long for people to walk into a church and to see something. Something very different from what they maybe read or understand about Christianity from the Bible. So why do churches seem to look less like their savior and more like scholars? Well, I believe this is the reason. Christians today don't have an information problem. We have a transformation problem. See, the truth is uh, found in James chapter two. James chapter two, James is the brother of Jesus. He was around Jesus more than probably anyone. He knew what Jesus was like. He knew he was pretty perfect. And uh, did I say chapter two? I meant chapter one. In James chapter one, uh, he mentions this really interesting thing. He says this, James 1, 22. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh, I think we made a mistake. Let me see if I can fix that. Come on. There we go. All right. I fixed it. I fixed it for us. Here we go. This is what it, say. it says in James chapter one, verse 22. It says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Wow. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, in order to live a transformed life, to not just be captured by information, but be transformed by the word of God, it's got to be done. You have to do it. Otherwise, we're, what does it say? It says deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving ourselves. Are we really following Jesus? If it means we don't do what it says, we don't do what he does, we don't walk as he walks. Now, of course, our salvation is not tied to what we do, but it is evidence of the transformation that has happened to us on the inside. It's transformation that's happened to us on the inside is what we do. Let me just explain this for you for a quick second. Think of a bicycle. A bicycle is really interesting. Uh, having movement and transformation in the Christian life is kind of like riding a bicycle. A bicycle, it has two pedals, right? It has the one pedal that if you turn and you don't turn the other pedal, you're just kind of stuck in your faith. You're just stuck as a person. You're stuck on that bicycle. You're stalled. You're not going anywhere. If you're only ever turning one pedal, you're not going to go anywhere. You're stuck. You need to both 
turn the left pedal and the right pedal in order to move forward in life. And honestly, the Christian life is kind of like that. It's kind of like this. What James says is that we need to both listen to the word, turn that pedal, but then also do what it says, turn the other pedal. And when we start turning from turning the listening into doing and the doing into listening and hearing God's word, we start moving forward in our faith. And here's the deal. With us, we tend to have these, these sides of where we only ever listen to God's word. We only ever hear what God's word has to say. So we come here Sunday after Sunday, listening and listening, listening and listening, but we're stalled. What do we need to do? We also need to do the word of God. And some of us, we're really good at the doing. We're really good at just getting stuff done and helping out and being an encouragement and giving to people and, 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 and giving of our time. And that's great. It's good. But your faith needs to grow in information too in order to be transformed by the word of God. You see, information is not enough. Doing is not enough. Transformation is knowing and doing the word of God. Transformation is knowing and doing the word of God. If you want to live for a lasting legacy, then you need to grow in the knowledge of God's word and not stop there. You also need to do what it says. Living the transformed life is not just uh, about being informed it's not about living an informed life. It means you are attaching both the knowing and the doing to your faith. To know God is to do what he says. And to do what God says, you have to know what he says. You got to know the word in order to do what it says. And I just want to say one thing real quick. I am so proud of this church and what they have done throughout the Do Good series. We've just finished up, if you're new, we've just finished up the Do Good series. And during that time, we gave the challenge throughout the month of November to do 10,000 acts of kindness. And I, I just, I have some incredible uh, little snippets of things that you guys have done just this past week. Here's the first one took my neighbor's trash cans in for them. <laughs> That's awesome. Wish someone would do that for me. Um, <laughs> bought Christmas gifts for a single mom and her kids. Holy cow, that's such a huge deal. <laughs> Here's a good one and maybe really applicable if uh, we go out to eat. Doubled our waitress's tip just to bless her. <laughs> that's awesome. Here's another one. Surprised my daughter with paying her car payment for the month. That's super cool. Here's another one. Drove my disabled neighbor around to run their errands. Man, that is an act of love. It takes so much time to do stuff like that. The last one, and this one is precious. This one's absolutely precious. A labor and delivery nurse washed a mother's feet before she had her baby. Oh, man, that is love. That is doing some serious good. You see, Crossroads, you guys are active. You're active and invested in this community on behalf of this church, on behalf of myself, on behalf of the ministries here. I just want to say 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for doing good. And at the end of this service, uh, stay tuned because Robbie will give you guys what our, what our, our next tally is um, for the month of November so far, okay? So stay tuned till the end. All right, final reality. Here's the final reality of how to live a lasting legacy. You could shelter your faith or share the gospel. You could shelter your faith or share the gospel. One of the greatest struggles that uh, I believe Christians have is sharing their faith. I read a statistic recently that said less than 5% of Christians will share their faith in, a, in the next year. Uh, we live in a world where sharing our faith, sharing the gospel can be a really unpopular experience. We're told that our faith is for our private lives, not for being lived in public. So we say things like, hey, you do you, man. Or we say other things like, who am I to say that something that someone else is doing is wrong? Or who am I to judge? We are told that we need to check our religion at the door of work before we step into school and before we go anywhere in life. We are told that, that thinking of people as inherently sinful is a bad thing for a teenager's self-esteem and, and that we should instead think of them as good, inherent little boys and girls. Here's the deal. Maybe we struggle to share faith because we're simply worried. We're simply worried that, that someone will have an objection to Christianity. And if I'm being really honest Sometimes the reason why I struggle to share my own faith is because I'm afraid I'm not going to have the answer to a problem that someone has with Christianity. And so we're worried about making a huge fool of ourselves more than we are sharing the gospel. I'm with you. I struggle with this. And, and plus, if we're being a little honest, we also just don't want to offend people. Uh, we don't want to tell them that, that they're sinful. <laughs> we don't want to tell them that, you know, we're all kind of messed up in this world and, and we really need someone to save us from it. Criticisms and, and fears like these have caused Christians to shelter their faith rather than share in the gospel with others. And the truth is sharing our faith is an essential part of living for a lasting legacy we can't live for the longest lasting legacy if we don't share our faith. And Jesus knows this. And this is why Jesus points this out. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20, he gives us this huge challenge to live a lasting legacy. He says this. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, then Jesus came to them, meaning his 12 disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This passage is kind of known as the Great Commission. And it says something that's really interesting as we keep it up on the screen. It says this, make, it says that he wants us to make disciples of all nations. You see, this is the legacy that Christ wants us to be living for. 
to make disciples of all nations. This is, a, this is an expansive, huge undertaking, a massive, heavy-weighted legacy to be living for. This legacy that Jesus wants us to live for, I mean, it's global of all nations. It's also, it's multi-ethnic. It's multicultural. It's incredibly diverse and it's incredibly scary. He's telling, telling just 12 guys in a room, he's saying, hey, you 12, go and make disciples of all nations everywhere, all over the place. That's crazy. <laughs> but what does he mean by that? What's the goal in this disciple making stuff, right? He says this. He says, we need to be baptizing them, baptizing them. Last week, we had some baptisms here and we're looking forward to some more baptisms in the future. But one of the things that, that Christ mentions, he says, hey, when you make disciples, baptize them. And then he says this. He says that we should also teach them Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Uh, Jesus wants, uh, wants us to live out a legacy where we are making disciples of a multi-ethnic, multicultural, global experience where people are being baptized, where people are being taught, and people are learning to obey, living that information and that transformation, that doing life all in one. So here's what we got going on. This incredible story is a challenge, a challenge that can be really terrifying. How do we overcome this fear of sharing our faith? What does Jesus say helps remove the fear? Let's look at it real quick. He says what helps remove the fear is this. He says, and Jesus, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. If we're going to make the disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's where it goes. Everything I've commanded you for what? Surely I am with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what Jesus says. That's what takes away the fear. His presence. Jesus says, I am with you always. We need not be afraid because he is with us. He's guiding us. He's leading us. He's helping us and he's empowering us. You see, let's take note of this. Recognizing God's presence brings us deliverance from fear. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Brian made a really great observation about this particular passage. There's one thing missing from the Great Commission that we as Christians tend to put into the passage of the Great Commission. Something that, that hurts living for a lasting legacy. And it's this one word. Maybe you remember. It's the word if. It's the word that's, that's missing that we oftentimes put into the Great Commission. See, Jesus doesn't use the word if. He doesn't use the word if. Jesus doesn't say, go and make disciples if you feel like it. He doesn't say, go and make disciples if it's comfortable for you. He doesn't say, go and make disciples if you won't be ridiculed. If, he doesn't say, go and make disciples if you have all of the right answers. Jesus says, go and make disciples full stop, nothing else, that's it. Go, do it. Jesus says that the legacy he wants everyone to live for 
is making disciples. And I just want to take this moment to explain something about my own story that means an incredible lot to me. I can remember growing up um, and I, I, was, uh, I spent one summer being a dishwasher in an old folks home. And as I was there at this retirement facility, I, I was taking in dish after dish, dish after dish. I was being trained to do these dishes by a guy who had worked there for over 30 years. He was a very kind, very sweet, very patient man who trained me to wash dishes. And as I was washing dishes, I just thought to myself, I mean, I'm just seeing the same dish come in time and time again. What's the deal? I mean, I don't feel like I'm making an impact. I'm just, you know, a cog in the machine. And then that was when, at the same time, my, my dad, he decided to invest in his sons spiritually on Sundays after church. Uh, I believe that one of the most powerful moments uh, throughout the week can be lunchtime after a Sunday service. Anyway, um, my dad decided to spend time investing in me and my brother spiritually. We we're all at seasons in our life where we're trying to figure out what we're going to do, what we're going to be like in our lives. And I remember one time when we were sharing about different stuff that we were going through, different thoughts that we had from the message or from a Sunday school class or for something we read. I can remember there was this one time he says, you know, Dan and boys, you guys can live for a lot of things in life. You can live for uh, having a great house, a big car, a great car, a beautiful sports car, um, a big paycheck and making lots of dollars. You can live for that. But the only problem is you can't take that with you into eternity. The only thing that you can take with you into eternity is the impact you make on people's eternal destinies. And so the next thing that he would say would be something that would alter the course of my life forever. He would say this, would you rather live for dollars or eternal destinies? And that moment gripped me. It grabbed me. That's when I knew I needed to live my life with eternity in mind. I need to live my life for pursuing eternal destinies, to live a life of making a lasting legacy, not just on this earth, but on eternity. That day caused me to, to change everything that I was pursuing in life. That day caused me to pursue a life where I have now been in full-time student ministry for the last 10 years. And that led me to, to Moody Bible Institute where I got my bachelor's in biblical studies. And, and then that led me to get my master's in evangelism all because I wanted to live for this big legacy that Jesus Christ gave his disciples over 2,000 years ago. Everything changes when you have eternity in mind. Guys, you only get one shot at this life. Make it count. Legacies can have a ripple effect. The reason I'm here is, is because my dad decided to invest in me and care about my life and where I was going and the direction I had. He wanted me to be fully devoted to Jesus. But what's interesting is that that wasn't the legacy of his father. You see, the legacy of his father is that he sold bricks to steel mills in Pittsburgh. <laughs> he lived most of his life not even being a Christian. 
The reason why my dad cared about investing in us spiritually and cared about our legacies was because of the impact by a man named Billy Graham. My dad read a book by Billy Graham when he was 17 years old called Peace with God. And it changed his life. And it changes my life. It changes my family's life. You see, you don't need to, to, you don't need to have a background and a story of, of having a, a family with a pastor or, or having a family that's all put together. You can be totally messed up and change the course and trajectory of your legacy. I also believe you don't need to be in full-time ministry to live for a lasting legacy. Some of you have legacies in your family of addiction, of abuse, of adultery, of anger, and you don't want that anymore. You want to, to plot a new course. I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Now is your chance. Make the change. Start a new legacy. This is your chance to leave the old legacy behind and join the legacy that is no longer gripped by sin, but is instead filled with the grace of the gospel. The reason why we're all gathered here together in this room or online or, or outside is because of one man's legacy. A man who was the son of God, who went to the cross to die on the cross and rise from the grave so that our sins would be forgiven. This man named Jesus, he gathered 12 guys together in a room and said, go make a legacy by making disciples of all nations. And we're here. We're here in Manteca, California because a man in the Middle East told 12 guys that were terrified and afraid and ran at the first sight of trouble. They lived out that legacy and the ripple effect has impacted us here today. So here's the deal. Sometimes we need to be reminded of this legacy. We need to be reminded of the legacy, the ultimate legacy that Christ gave us. And so one of the things that Christ did is he gave us communion. He gave us communion to remember the legacy that he was passing on to each of us. And in just a moment, the worship team is gonna come on out and they're, they're gonna lead us in a song. And afterwards, we're going to, to partake in communion as a reminder of the man who started the greatest legacy. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I pray that we would feel the weight of this, that we would not just hear another message this Sunday. That Lord, we would just take the weight of the idea that we've got one life, that we've got to make it count. God, I, I pray for anyone in here who feels like they're being held back by something, by some, some struggle, some sin, some brokenness, some mistake, some failure to not let the fear of that that has defined them be something that keeps them from a greater legacy that you want them to be invited to. And so, so Lord, I pray that you would help us all to be willing to acknowledge 
the life that you want us to live and then to live it, to do it, to be transformed. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.